All right. I guess you'll spill the tea at some point. Yes, I will. <laughs> okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. Congrats, Josh, on a great solo episode. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank I really, you. seriously, I really loved it. I really enjoyed listening to it. I did too. It was just a I, good, like, I, comprehensive, like, conversation. It covered a lot of ground. Yes, and Ma- and Matthew was just so giving of like yes. himself, which is j- j- always so great when you're like interviewing someone. You yes. never you never really can tell. Sometimes when you book a guest, you know. Yeah, we always appreciate the the generosity and people being very candid with us. Is yeah, it makes for a lot yeah, of like special moments. The, yeah. Yeah, giving us the deep cuts. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Um, also, no, happy happy birthday! Oh, thank you, thank you. It was a belated good birthday. birthday. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good birthday. Twenty eighth, I made it. I made it. You passed. The- yeah, you passed the twenty seven club. You're not. I know. Of it. Thank I God. Know, I know. Seriously, I honestly, I had a couple moments there. <laughs> Close call. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I, it was only one. It was only one, and it's not my fault. Um, we won't get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but no it was a good birthday um and now it's over so whatever you know it comes and goes yeah, I went the to, books. Yeah, yeah I I went to dinner and it was fine it was no it actually was very delicious I had uh the rigatoni uh vodka sauce burrata rigatoni at me oh, and vodka it sauce was is always so amazing good. honestly like it was that's like one of the first meals I've had there where I, I didn't leave the restaurant completely bloated feeling like a whale and it was just like a good meal overall. Are the proportions usually really big at Mia Francesca's? Yes. I, can't, I don't remember. It just depends what you order. Like I, last two times I've been there, I've ordered the gnocchi and it's really, really heavy because it's got like heavy cream on it and it's, it's stuffed and it just makes you feel like you're about to explode. Um, ah, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had a great, I had a great time. It was a good <laughs> birthday, but um, yeah. It's, it's over now and we're moving on and yeah, big, big things. I've been, I, so I've been reading so much lately. I've, we have a lot to prepare for, you know, we do. <laughs> we, we, have to, <laughs> we have to have our work cited. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We have to come in with uh, our facts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, believe me, I've been, you know, documenting a lot it's of facts, always, gathering a lot of it's information. It's always the worst when some somebody's throwing facts at you and you like have no way and you're so unprepared and you can't counter it with facts you know like that is like the worst no, well, I just tell people I'm my own person like you can, you can throw all the facts <laughs> at me you want but it's that's just me <laughs> and, you know? but when you're when you're having an intellectual conversation it's really difficult yeah I guess so <laughs> but I don't know you know I, I can only say my piece so much you know right you have to just like give yourself over to something well because at what point is it like a point making system like I have my facts you have your facts you know that's all I don't have any uh, if you have your facts and now I don't have anything to say because I already stated my facts right truth doesn't truth doesn't matter anymore (laughs) we have our own truth um excuse me as a Stratfordian okay truth truth matters to me I really I really love this like this is a great opportunity to like manufacture some beef because like this this is really this is really wedged. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole with Matthew. Gazda, no, it's important. But... <laughs> no, it is so important because I I think it's well it's opened up so many 
of very like vital, vibrant intellectual conversations between us. Like this past I'm week, right. we've been like type, 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 type. <laughs> like, well, Josh, <laughs> you could argue also from this perspective, <laughs> according I to think, my calculations. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have such a like proclivity towards the Oxfordians because of Felicia. Yes. Well, so yes, like they, yes, they have a soft spot in my heart, but. I, and I always feel weird when I have to say, like, um, I feel like when you're working on a Shakespeare play, like mm-hmm. whether you're a Stratfordian or an Oxfordian, it really doesn't matter that much. I don't think. Mm, I agree with you, but I also disagree on some levels only because I think when I read a play, I'm exclusively interested in the emotional pathos and I think conflating something with someone's autobiographical account of their own history is a product of the word, like the novelty of the autobiography, you know, coming into popularity in the early 1900s. And I think that is, that was, that's one of the factors that sort of exacerbated the question of the Shakespearean authorship along with many other things and many forgeries that happen, we'll get into in a couple episodes down the road. But I, but here's the thing. I I just wanted, I just wanted to say like no director that I've ever worked with on a Shakespeare play has ever cared that much about whether it's like, because when you bring that into your directing style, like it kills any kind of artistic. It just brings down the vibe sometimes. Yeah. The artist, yeah, it kills like yeah. any kind of artistic uh, perspective that you have on the plays. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Peter Brook is talking about when you like assign like a word to it, mm-hmm. it kind of then becomes that thing and defined mm-hmm. that way. But when you're working on a piece of theater, you want it to be a big, a big thing. Yeah. You want to have multiple possibilities when you're in the room. Right. Well, I've actually um, start. I started to read. Uh, the Empty Space by Peter Brook, and I'm really enjoying it. I think he gives a really very pragmatic, um, but very and very accessible kind of understanding of like the different forms that theater takes and the sort of narrow uh, model of what a theater practitioner can be um, and how you know people just haven't taken a step to make it something else or make it something new or use their imagination about something and making, yeah, creating something new and how, which is like the reason why many people's projects flop because, you know, exactly. they're like, they're attached to something that was there before, but now may or may not be no, any longer relevant. So, um, but yeah, that's a, it's a really good book so far. I mean, like reading like three books at one time. So I'm like trying to keep up. <laughs> Me too. I think I'm on, I'm on like four. No, I'm on three books right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Um, Shakespeare by Another Name. <laughs> yes. <and laughs> the Year of Magical Thinking by Joan mm-hmm. Didion, which I, I've already cried out. Really? I've never read a single yeah. Joan Didion book ever in my life, um, oh, but I hear it's good. I you, know. I, you everything, Yes, definitely. I hear it's great. Um, on the same note of like collecting facts and information. Okay. You probably already knew that. I don't know if you know this or not. Did you know that Ryan Murphy used to have the rights to funny girl? What? 
<laughs> nobody, nobody is, nobody is fucking talking about this. Okay, so I is went, that the new is that the new conspiracy? Is that the new conspiracy? So that, like... this is my I have a conspiracy. <laughs> all right, everybody, this is my conspiracy. So I did some research. Ryan Murphy used to have the rights to Funny Girl back in the Glee days, and wow. in 2015, and see, so here's the thing: when he was doing Glee, he kind of put Funny Girl on the map and used Leah Michelle as a vehicle for that. And mm-hmm. it was sort of this unspoken thing that Brian Murphy was going to produce a revival and cast uh, Leah Michelle as Fanny Bryce. Uh, but honest, he, so what happened is that he actually, he ended up, ended up selling the rights to Sonia Friedman, a producer who produced the West End revival in 2015. And that was a huge hit. And when there were talks of, you know, bringing the show to Broadway, because it was really taking off in London, there were all these articles of all these other actresses that were in the, you know, in the ringer and like being contended for the role of Fanny Price, including Lady Gaga. (laughs) And I remember um, that. Yes. yes, And and Adina Menzel um, and Leah Michelle was completely excluded out of the conversation. Nobody was writing (laughs) or even considering bringing up her name because she was getting so much bad press because she's, you know, a slog to work with. Um, And (laughs) she's, she's been sort of like excommunicated. And what is even crazier is that this West End production was directed by Michael Mayer, Leah Michelle's director for Spring Awakening. Isn't that insane? Yes. So she was absolutely like, I can't imagine like your, like she like throughout like her whole Glee career, like her whole career, you know, um, working so closely with Ryan Murphy, she knew that Ryan Murphy had the rights and was had this expectation built up that he was going to produce a revival and cast her in it. And it just never happened. So my theory is that Ryan Murphy actually used Leah Michelle as a vehicle to put a funny girl on the map so he could upsell the rights to Sonia Friedman. I don't know if that's how it works. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works, but it makes fucking sense, honestly. Like, well, y- yeah, and like I'm wondering now if there was like a backroom deal to like throw Beanie Feldstein under the bus. Well, here's the thing: even if Leah was cast originally and everything worked out for her perfectly, there was probably already going to be some backlash because people don't like her. But then right. casting Beanie Feldstein, she absolutely got railed by the public, and it just wasn't selling unfortunately and I actually feel really bad because I think she's actually a very talented actress beautiful girl um but the tickets were not selling at all and I just read so much about this and um the I mean at the end of the day everybody has just said that it just sucks on every level it sucks for everyone involved I'm trying to convince my mom to go with me to New York this fall to go see the funny girl production with Leah Michelle well, we'll guess see. guess how <laughs> guess how expensive the most expensive I know ticket is. the it's tickets two thousand dollars I yeah I heard that they were like they went up like five hundred dollars yes from so the, the original price yes the original price uh for funny girl when Beanie was playing Fanny it was about two hundred and sixty five dollars that's like roughly the most expensive ticket you could get uh, ever since she's been replaced the 
price went up so high. Now the most expensive ticket is over $2,000, which is insane to me. <laughs> I just love that all of this is coinciding with my Glee rewatch. I know. I'm currently on season four. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, it's so crazy to me. Like, isn't that so crazy that like Michael Mayer directed the very revival that Leah always wanted to and like it's kind of funny because Ryan like absolutely sort of threw her under the bus in that way <laughs> like he was I can imagine right. like him like buying the rights and like putting funny girl on the map and being like uh yeah that's not gonna happen <laughs> I don't know I mean he he does he does work in mysterious ways as they as yeah. they say well he even said like because people while he while he still did have the rights people would always ask like do you want to produce the revival of funny girl and he cryptically and very mysteriously would say oh we've already done so many scenes from the show and uh songs from the show on glee like we basically already did it and then he sold the rights and i just think that's such a weird like isn't that a weird that thing a weird to say answer. that's so yeah. suspicious to me but yeah. honestly if it's if my conspiracy <laughs> is true it's kind of genius <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out if we, but I feel like the, I mean, the people deserve a funny girl who can, no, a Fanny Bryce who can sing. It's one of the most sorry, challenging. Feldstein. Yeah, I'm sorry, Beanie. I love her so much, but no, it is one of the most challenging roles vocally ever written. So why did, why did Ryan Murphy own the rights to funny girl? Like, uh, that's why, why didn't, Bar why didn't Barbara get in on that and try to own them? Well, I don't, I have no idea. Maybe, I think she probably is still tied to it. So, well, she's probably still getting div dividends. Who, who, honestly, who cares? Like, I just think that right, she's... there is a, a strange coincidence with Ryan Murphy, you know, memeing funny girl into existence. So, he, I honestly, I don't know how, like, <laughs> I don't know how, like, selling rights to something works or, you know, I have no idea, like, what, how it is a politics. weird game. Yeah. yeah, I remember in college we, I probably shouldn't say this on the pod, um, <laughs> but we were trying to get the rights to a show and they never responded to us. Was it like a big was, show? I mean, it was a company in England and they never okay. got back to us about doing the rights to their show. Weird. And we, we even contacted the Better Business Bureau of mm -hmm. England. Wow. And we never heard anything. You guys really lobbied for it. I mean, well, the script, <laughs> the script is so good that mm -hmm. we wanted to do. And we were like, we, we have to do this script. It's just, it's too good. I mean, there were other versions of that script, but that script in particular was just, yeah. it was perfect. Anyway. Well, anyway, it's, yeah, it's such a weird, because honestly, the like Broadway actor, like, Broadway artisan drama like is usually like really mundane and boring and uninteresting, but there hasn't really been a scandal like this for years. Oh, like, no. I, there's been like it's small kind of like exciting. dramas. No, it is really exciting. It's really amazing. And there's been a lot of conflicting uh, you know, anecdotes with the canceling of Beanie's contract six months early and then her kind of jumping ship uh like um, 30 days before like she she cut it shorter too so um, nobody right. really knows what's going on behind the scenes but um, there's also like a lot of rumors that um, they planned to kick Beanie to the curb the whole time like this is 
you know, this is something the producers conspired to do and then replace. I I don't know what the hell's happening. Like the the tail end of the story, I don't really care about. Like it's kind of a disaster, like very devastating for for everyone overall. But the sort of the the beginning of this like saga, like is really what is interesting with Brian Murphy's involvement. Like Glee was really sort of the, (laughs) the like, Glee basically it, caused it revitalized this. interest in Funny Girl. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like there wouldn't like this drama wouldn't have happened without Ryan Murphy at the end of the day, which is insane to me. And it's, I mean, it's been like almost ten years in the making, and this is all coming to head now. It's very amazing. Right. I think Leah Michelle is actually like probably a very, I don't know. She like she appears very nice. I watched like. <laughs> No, she, I, I know I think she's I know really cool, hates actually. working with her yeah. but I know but like I think like she's like she appears to be a very nice person like she was singing poker face in her cabaret act which nobody has a good cabaret act anymore you no. know like you can never go see like a lounge show don't give with, like, me any star. ideas <laughs> <laughs> with a star I just like you never might... see that yeah no, it's, it's true oh you know who has a really good like cabaret album is Sutton Foster her album is like really good she does like a one-woman show that's really good I believe Um, and she in her show she picks songs out of a fishbowl randomly and sings them very fun um because like there are very few like Broadway stars who can like do that anymore who can like actually sell tickets everyone else is just like Mm -hmm. be like b-list 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 yeah um Honestly, if I was that talented, I'd probably be a raging bitch because she knows intellectually that she's one of the best singers <laughs> ever, like exactly in, in, yeah. in sort of her circle. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's extremely bitter. I can't I can't imagine. <laughs> but I was doing a lot of reading and like even like Beanie was saying like I don't know the woman but she's been very nice to me on the internet and like has always yes. had good things to say and she commented on my Instagram that I'm a star and like so Leah's like done a really good job of actually you know maintaining her public persona as, as much as she can but I do have connections and I know for a fact that she's probably probably the worst you know person right. to work with <laughs> um, yeah I hear on, on the street <laughs> on the <lot> streets <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I feel I, and also like the Beanie Feldstein story just feels very like very much like an ominous like uh tale of like be careful what you wish for and like what your dream <laughs> like when you go for your dreams like they sometimes can blow up in your I face know. it's and really I, devastating I, just, I feel so bad for Me her because she actually sort of quarantined herself in the Berkshires for three months at her parents house and was taking singing lessons dancing lessons she took a clown mm. class over zoom oh. like that's why wow. i just oh, feel well, so there you go yeah why would you take a clown class over zoom i don't know everyone knows that a clown class has it has to be, to be. It, it has in to person be in person that's so true um <laughs> and i don't know if it was over zoom really but i can't i can imagine because i think she got covid at one point and it's that's another part of the story and i don't know i just i feel covid i'm just like get it together but listen i have a good attitude and i will always credit that i did get sick in paris i got sick in paris but the test didn't come out positive so it was just the flu i guess i know i've never never got it never will but i but that's it's that love yeah it's the love oh my gosh somebody 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 else brought up 
uh, Marianne Williamson the other day about like getting rejected and somebody, people rejecting you and um, basically saying to that person or that thing that rejected you, like, I forgive you and I release you into the Holy Spirit or whatever. Did, oh. Do you remember reading that or? I forget no, who but was, that's, was I mean, that sounds like the Marianne Williamson quote. Yeah. So I for, I I forgive the Oxfordians. I release them into the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a soft I love I love a good Oxfordian. If they if they have a if they have a passion and they're willing to share it with me, I will I'll I'll get down with them. I I will. They have to be animated. They have to be they have to be excited, you know. Right, I, yeah, I want to see a show. Okay. Exactly. Like, That's what you should, you should well, wa- uh, go see Felicia's authorship. Cause I mean, I would actually Felicia, love that. I know. Cause watching Felicia lecture, like she is a performer. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, it's about convincing. About Romeo, <laughs> yes. And she talked about Romeo and Juliet this past summer at a, at the Shakespeare festival. Mm-hmm. And she opened her talk by singing. <laughs> I love her. Very few current academics will ever do that because they're so boring and stale, but she's like so I'll, much I'll, fun and like day. actually provides a fun and exciting conduit to get into, to, to entertain an idea. A mm-hmm. lot of people, when they're trying to enter, like trying to get somebody to entertain an idea, they're not really good at it. <laughs> you know, like no, it's about they'll having, just, they'll just start talking about boring, random stuff. Well, it's about having charisma and charm yeah. and those things are why is so yeah. interesting is because she's like a comedian yes and we're we're living in a famine of charm people people don't cons- people don't consider how important it is to be charming <laughs> and i think it's a, and i think charm is like a natural thing i don't think you can yes. necessarily learn it it has you can to be something try that comes think, up naturally yeah you can pre- try to prepare things to say like if you're right. I don't know I don't know and you know it's kind of like going on a date like can you think like oh what am I going to say like but, I, but it's like I you have to have that wit you have yeah to have you do snappy wit to like you really have to be get fast. it going yeah yeah and but, but the, yeah. the connection between Felicia and Camille Paglia is that they're both Aries. And I think that's why mm, they're both very animated yes. in the classroom. That's amazing that she started the lecture by singing. I love that. I'll send it to you. Yes, please do. And I she and her talk was all about how like Romeo and Juliet has like says the word light. Mm-hmm. more than any of the other Shakespeare plays. Wow. And that, like there's this duality in the play between light and dark. Um, and it's about, po- it's, it's about poetry and action and, mm-hmm. and how when people would go see a Shakespeare play back in the Elizabethan era, they would go really to hear the play, not really to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's true because most of the plays were performed with very minimal bare bones no no yes. props nothing at all like and that's what peter brook talks about yeah and that's why all the best plays that you know a play is good if it can just be done in a black box it's true yeah. well because like i think the the saying less is more in the theater mm-hmm. really rings it's true. so true yeah i mean in other areas like it it doesn't translate well but mm-hmm. in the theater like you can say so much with just mm-hmm. like bodies you know, I've been watching the theater talk, the theater talk archives a lot lately. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and 
<laughs> there really isn't another platform online or on television where you can have a spirited discursive debates and rich conversation about theater and about what's going on in the theater and extended literature yes. world. Um, because that show was the only place anyone could go to hear about people like espouse their uh, you know op- opinions about what's going on, who deserves an Oscar, or excuse me, who deserves a Tony, who's a bad singer, who's a good writer, what someone walked away. Because I watched an episode where they were talking about um, Oleana, um, which is oh. David Mamet's play about like sexual politics in between like a student and a professor. And this was in 2009. Um, and Julia Stiles was in it and she was talking about how she has her own opinions about the message of the play. And this other lady over there was like, it's pro pedophilia or it's anti-gay. Like it was just this incredible, like (laughs) funny and spirited debate about the purpose of the play and what's going on and who likes it and who doesn't. And, um, and I think do a theater talk episode. Well, I really want Michael Riedel to to come on the pod. (laughs) Although just, although what, how do you feel about Jesse Green? Because I like his writing, but. I don't know it could be better. <laughs> yeah, his right his writing is good, but he gives in to like a lot of the the politics of the day, you know. And kind I think of, yeah. I don't know, not always. Uh, kind of, no, but mm-hmm. he did do that West Side Story piece back in December where he was like, "Oh, it's like a Confederate." He was entertaining oh, yeah, the idea yeah, that it's like is. a Confederate statue. Yeah, what that's like, weird. He's yeah. an old bird, but he. Um, I also like Ben Brantley a lot. Yeah. And Elizabeth Vincentelli. I was going to say Jesse Green, uh, kind of funny, but like very sad. Do you know what he said about uh, Beanie Feldstein and Funny Girl? He said, uh, You're rooting for her to raise the roof, but she only bumps up against it. (laughs) I was like, That's so mean. (laughs) That's horrible. (laughs) I mean, but it sounds like it was true. Well, uh, definitely way funnier of a criticism than anybody has been writing about like dime square like whatever oh exactly stuff like you know if you have something you have some criticism to say be funny about it that's why we love michael michael riddle yeah give it make it entertaining yeah make it entertaining like i really do feel like that is the that's the purpose of the, I guess the intellectual, but also it's the purpose of the critics is to entertain an idea and, get you, and convince you of an idea through your charisma and your way with right. words. I remember there was an episode of Theater Talk where Joan Rivers was on and they were talking. Oh, about, I love that uh, episode. The, yes, <laughs> I love and her. she like talks about, she talks about Amelia Clark, how she was like pigeon-toed. Yes, or something. yes, she <laughs> and is. And uh, no, in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. And she's like, nobody wants to fuck you if you're yeah. pigeon-toed. She should have had a permanent like role on Theater Talk because I don't know, like Joan Rivers would have been so good for that. I, it's like a... She really was. I don't know. It's a it's a crime that you know she was on Fashion Police for so long. Like she should just been talking about um, theater. But I guess at, at that time, when did theater talk like get canceled? Like when does when did and, this happen? Yeah, it seems like it ended in like 2018, maybe. It's so weird. Well, that's so recent, actually. I know. What? I, I, I think we need to do a theater talk episode where we just I like, know. watch a couple episodes. Yeah, because I was. Yeah, because I was watching like one from 2015 and 
it's just crazy. There's no other. Well, I mean, remember back in the day on cable, there used to be a channel for every single thing. Like, do you remember the style channel? I think so. That sounds vaguely familiar. Before your time, maybe. Maybe. I remember Oxygen. Is Oxygen a channel? I think, I mean, I think a lot of these channels like still exist. Like nobody watches them. But I remember I used to watch the style channel. Um, Obviously, I watched VH1 and MTV and all that. But um, there were other very niche channels. Um, there was yeah. a there was a show Isaac Mizrahi had his own show where they specifically only talked about like design and fabric and stuff. It wasn't like makeover show or anything. It was his own talk show, <laughs> um, and wow. it was about yeah, style. And I don't know. I think theater talk was probably a part of sort of that trend. Maybe I, I don't know. But it's such a good show because I love to hear them argue. <laughs> I know. Well, and I think I think it's just because like uh, public. TV, public public access TV just doesn't have the funding that it once did. And nobody really watches television anymore. Yeah, and I mean, people, they're watching television shows, but they're not watching like, yeah, they're not flipping through the channels anymore, which is so sad. And also when people have spirited debates, they, I think nowadays people take it so personally and it's hard not to take things exactly. personally, but I think on theater talk, they do it so well because they make it very friendly and cheerful and exciting. It does feel like you're at a cocktail party and people are having disagreements and being, you're just like in this environment, but there's this incredible rich discourse going on, but it's never in bad faith. It's always, you know, it's never mean spirited. Um, they always like no. kind of wrap it up on a very cheerful note. Because they're all just happy to be in the room talking yes. about theater. Like <laughs> that's literally, they just have like a, a great passion for theater, which is admirable. And yeah, I think that's that what is we nice. aspire to a lot on this podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, Devere didn't write any of those plays. So with that said, <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we get into uh, yes. Gigi? Yes. Okay. So you watched Gigi for the first time for the recently? Very f- first time. How yes. did you like it? I thought. Um, it was the color and it was absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. and it was very funny. It is so funny. It's I amazing. I mean, and I, I know like it's a learner and low musical mm-hmm. and my fair lady has its comical moments, but I wouldn't say it's like necessarily like a h- hilarious show, mm-hmm. but Gigi was funny as. Yeah. Gigi is really great. funny and snappy and quick and it's one of those movie, like old mu- movie mu- musicals where um, there is not a lot of dead air in it. I mean, it is sort of kind of that same very like long drawn out wide shots, but it's very grand. It just has like this air of being such a bon vivant uh, as opposed to its contemporaries. And it was a huge hit right out of the gate when it was made. Um, but I have uh, some notes. So um, yeah, it's 1958 Gigi music by Alan J. Lerner um, based on the 1944 novella of the same name written by French novelist Colette. And in 1991, Gigi was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry uh, by the Library of Congress as being culturally and historically and aesthetically significant, which is probably my favorite part. Like, I just like the colors, you know, <laughs> it's very bright. The colors are really great. Yeah. Which, and it's such a rarity now for us to get films with like that much color. I think like the last movie that was ever that colorful was La La Land. 
Yeah, but even with like movie musicals now, like you can get a lot of color and a lot of spectacle, but it's very close up and a lot of these mm. old uh, mid-century musicals, like that scene in uh, the apartment where everything is red, you have this huge wide shot where it literally, it like looks like a Rothko painting. Like it's so red right. and beautiful and uh, outlandish. Well, yeah, and wasn't there like an obsession with like the French had an obsession with like Russian red? Like that mm-hmm. was, wasn't that a thing? Probably. Exp- I think that explains why their apartment is so red. Yeah. And it could rich, also be that rich. it just looked, it just looked really good on screen. Yeah. Well, it's also about high society and uh, being counseled to be a part of, you know, up, you know, upper class French society and um, trying to get Gigi to, you know, learn and going to, uh, you know, etiquette classes, and learn how to be charming. That's literally like what the movie is about. Like she has to go to these etiquette classes to learn how to be charming so she can become some, you know, rich man's mistress one day. Right. And Lerner and Lowe, it seems like have like an obsession with women in etiquette classes. Cause like mm-hmm. <laughs> Eliza Doolittle is also like yes. taking etiquette classes. That's why I'm like, Gigi and My Fair Lady really do mirror each other, but they well, both take place. They take place in different countries, uh, but they kind of I don't know. But they have different endings because, like in My Fair Lady, Eliza comes back to Professor Higgins, mm-hmm. but in Gigi, Gaston is the one that comes back to Gigi. So My Fair Lady and Gigi have a lot of parallels. Uh, Lerner actually favored Audrey Hepburn for this role originally, mm. um, but she Audrey <laughs> Hepburn turned it down, and uh, the uh, Arthur Freed preferred uh, Leslie Caron actually and convinced him to go to Paris and meet with um, Leslie Caron, and he was completely sold. And she's an amazing uh, actress, and she was actually on the stage for in the stage version of She She um, recently uh, before she met with him okay when did so did Gigi start off as a musical or did it start off as a movie um I think and then was adapted it, to the stage yeah uh, I believe uh I think that's one part I didn't look at but I believe it was a um like a, I'll look it up yeah because I because I think this movie was a sort of a rewrite a little bit like the yes actually now I'm remembering it's sort of like a rewrite of the stage production um there were a lot of changes that they made for the movie specifically. It says that the stage production came, uh, was like produced on Broadway mm-hmm. in 1973. Yeah. So that was after. Yeah. And then there was the revival that was back in 2015, which I almost saw that revival. Really? And I went and saw, I went and saw um, Jim Parsons and, an act of God. Was it instead. good? I like him. Uh, I It was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, it was very much like a, a vehicle for him to just like really show off himself. But um, I had a great time. Yes. That's great. <laughs> and, and I don't think that Vanessa Hudgens would have been, I don't know if she would have been that good. And she's so, she, I actually, her, all right, is her voice weird or is it just me? No, her voice is weird. I, I don't think her it's only good un- song is Sneaker Night. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, she's got she's got sneaker night, and then what else she has? Oh, she had one called "Say Okay." 
Oh yes, yeah, that was a good one actually. But no, her and voice high is school musical, of course. Yeah, I mean her voice isn't bad. It's just it's just unique. I don't know. It's an acquired taste. It's kind of whiny. It is something in her chords just make it sound very mm-hmm. squeaky, which is fine. Yeah. I can I can relate. I also have a very squeaky voice. Um, but I don't know, just something about it. She's a very, I mean, talented songstress. Like her pretty vocal yeah. has chops and very beautiful. And actually, I I saw her um, promote Gigi like on the Today Show. And I thought it was really good. I, I so, remember that performance. Yes. Yeah. But something about that revival. What did they not have in it? Thank God for <laughs> what is it? Thank heaven for little girls. The opening song well, and possibly they, they did they did have it, but they they changed it to be sung by her grandma and as opposed mm-hmm. to how um, convenient i know honore yeah well that's so silly because the whole i mean that's what the the show should open with because it's the whole ethos of the show it's a celebration of girlhood and being young and charming and funny and witty and unique and you're not you're sort of untouched by high society standards when you're that young. And that's why Gaston is attracted to Shishi because she doesn't care about the upper class conventions and doesn't care about etiquette classes. Um, you know, and also she's a tomboy and we should really bring the tomboy back because <laughs> we should bring that no. into the back into the lexicon because that's also kind of what it's about. She's just her own person. Um she just doesn't she's, care yeah, about standards. She's very unrefined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's very unrefined. And play and um, playful. Exactly. She's yeah. very attuned to her inner child. Because she sort of is a child, but that's the right. point. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think like it it gave in because that production was in 2015 so it was like giving in to like our kind of like moral panic pre me too but like there it was there and it's like the it's like the oleana debate it's, like, it's better feeling exactly or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah but no it's i mean there's something to be said about like okay it's like an old man sort of like a because he's a grandfatherly figure exactly and like i think He's not saying like that he wants to like fuck her. He's saying like thank heaven for little girls because like they then grow up to become women and like yeah. we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating like the beauty and vitality of women. It's very feminist almost. It's actually extremely feminist story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess in a way um, because because Gaston like it, it, like he kind of like rushes back to her yeah because she's like yeah back with her because she's like i don't want to be just your side piece you know i want to be either you know your friends because she does sort of want to keep her relationship with him platonic because she values um her friendship with him like the platonic part yeah she sees him very much as like a brother yes um which uh, yeah their relationship is so like a roller coaster. Like, yeah, I, it was. There were times where I was like, "It's hard to keep up with what's going on." <laughs> but it's so romantic because it's a little bit of a will they, won't they situation. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet and tender in the end, really. Like, just ride away in the carousel. And um, but I, I think I like this uh, movie and this show a lot because I just the songs are very cheerful and happy i love the song the day they invented champagne <laughs> i know i That's i was humming that song for like 
a couple of days yeah and but the thing is like champagne really does give me like a headache and it's <laughs> horrible because I love I love good mimosa mm-hmm. but like it gives me such a horrible headache so I suffer I from my, my pleasures I, I love champagne so much I, I want it to be like that toasty dry kind I don't, I'm not well versed in the kinds of champ or you know champagne I guess the grapes champagne whatever right. it's very delicious <laughs> but I also like bubble I like I like a lot of carbonation I know it's very like appealing to the eye it gives me energy mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it yeah. is okay what is it about carbonated drinks where I'm like like okay if you a topo chico they blast those things like so much like it almost hurts when you drink it that's kind of why I like it well because it's like an energy like it's yeah it's like it just gives forceful. you a jolt yeah yeah and yeah. very very random very very few times you ever get that in your life yeah um what's an what's another song i really oh so that's one of my favorite songs my most favorite song in the show is i don't understand the parisians which is so cute um I, uh, <laughs> it's funny I because the the <laughs> the um because she's sort of like talking about the definition of love in the upper class uh, achievement Mm -hmm. uh, oriented way where love is sort of something you have to learn uh, and is getting married or you know being associated with somebody a high class is sort of an achievement so the love part is conflated not necessarily with romance it's sort of conflated in Gigi's eyes as this thing that is sort of like homework and she really resents Parisian society for that because that is really all they care about is who is dating who, who wants to, you know, go have sex with who, you know. Um, yeah. And it, she sort of is on that brink of being a child, but also um, coming into her own uh, and understanding and, you know, falling in love for the first time herself. Um, but I love that. Yeah, I love that. She's, I mean, she's Leslie Karen is French. She has a great accent. Oh, I didn't know that she was French. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and um, fun fact, her father <laughs> was actually the owner of a very fa- famous perfume store. <gasps> what? And I tried to find out if she, her family. Is it still functioning? No, it Is was it like, open? no, it, it's like this. It was this like perfumier um, somewhere that her father owned. And I don't think his company had their own perfume. I think he was sort of a merchant of perfumes in some way. Um, but she went on to do a lot of uh, endorsements, perfume endorsements, oh, or at least interesting. one. But okay, something I was looking into. So I really wanted to get the Maxim de Paris perfume, which is really hard what? to find online. Cause they, in the well, movie, they dine Maxim's- at Maxim. I know. I was gonna say the like, <laughs> maxim, and that scene is so funny when they're like, "Oh, like uh, Honoré is like they don't talk about you at Maxims." Yeah. Then, like they're all they're all like internally. I think it's like their internal monologue is like put out. I think mm-hmm. is what that scene was trying to show, and like there you hear what everybody's saying, and it's mm-hmm. so funny. Well, what's funny about that scene is that it was original, the, the whole cast of the movie had to fly all the way out to California to shoot that restaurant that was recreated on a soundstage. But um, mm. I think it was, uh, no, it was Frida, it was uh, 
one of the directors. Learner. Well, the film was, yeah, the film was directed by Vincent Minnelli, which might yeah. explain why it was so colorful because he was a homosexual. Yes, it's true. <laughs> um, but anyway, the um, well, I think because Minnelli was out doing something, but uh, Learner essentially um, hated the the restaurant scene so bad because it was filmed on a soundstage. So they actually had to go and reshoot it. And I read that when they were shooting Gigi, it was like unbearably hot. And mm -hmm. speaking of AC, that big gigantic fabric <laughs> red room in a, you know, Paris apartment with no air conditioning. And it's like a hundred, hundred plus degrees. And also similar to when I was in Paris, the sun doesn't set till 1030. So you can know, imagine I'm, I'm, they were dying. I'm really traumatized by not having AC lately. I don't it's even insane. want to think about no AC. Um, <sighs> but this film did premiere in uh, Santa Barbara and was immensely favored by audiences, but uh, Lerner and um, I think it's Loewe. Is it, is it Loewe? Loewe? I've always heard it called, am I've, I I've always heard it called low learner and low well maybe i'm <laughs> what well hey maybe i'm just thinking of the bag company um but uh <laughs> they were both like by the time this film uh was um re released they the previews for it they were still extremely dissatisfied with the film so much that they ended up buying 10 percent of the film and contributing like three hundred thousand dollars so they could reshoot a bunch of shit and they actually ended up going over like $400,000 over budget, but it really paid wow. off because <laughs> it was an extremely popular movie. Um, well, I remember when I was like looking at clips of the film online after I'd watched it, there was like a, a YouTube clip of the original Maxim scene with the original audio. Mm -hmm. And I thought the original audio was actually like better. Oh, with her... Like, what do you mean? The audio was just like fuller, it felt. Oh, yeah. I don't with know. The, I don't know with, audio terms, but. With the, the Foley. Yeah, it just felt clearer. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and what it was when I watched the movie. Yeah, hey, it's, it's so Leslie, um, I, I don't know who the song or the vocalist was for her singing. Oh, she had to, she was dubbed? Yeah, she was dubbed. <laughs> Why do people, I mean, why are people dubbing everyone in Learner and Low musicals? Like Audrey was dubbed in My Fair Lady. And wasn't there a big scandal around that? That like Probably. she thought that she could really sing the role and then they dubbed her? You probably. Well, Audrey or Leslie? Audrey. In yeah. My yes. Fair Lady. Yeah. I, there I was think, a big scandal. Yeah, I think there that. is. Um, I don't the, know. The song uh, Say a Prayer for Tonight. Um, this is in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. I think um, so. That song. I know it's in the stage show. Yeah, that song was originally um, written for the role of Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, and that was one of the interesting. Like, yeah, and that was like one of the main criticisms of Gigi when it first came out that it was kind of like the My Fair Lady leftovers. Um, which I mean, <laughs> it kind of was because like they were considering Audrey for this role, but honestly, I'm not an Audrey girl. Like, I think she looks very mousy, and I love Les. Like, I prefer Leslie Karen any day. Like, she's way more charismatic and beautiful. 
I mean, I think like My Fair Lady has a better book than Gigi. Yeah, does. that is true. Gigi is very simple. It is simple, but I mean, mm-hmm. it has good jokes. It's funny, yeah. but I think My Fair Lady because it has that Bernard Shaw Pygmalion. Basis, oh my it's god, just much yeah, stronger. Oh my god, we did a shot. We did Major Barbara when I was in college, and that shit is three hours long, kind of more mm. sometimes, and it had two intermissions. Insane. I would never. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, never. it's a. I mean, I love Shaw. Like very. Like you should. You should read a Shaw uh, play. Um, I want to read St. John. Yeah, and Major Barbara is really good, but boy, is that shit that will knock knock you out. <laughs> Insane. Um, um, but well, I, going back to what you were talking about, how Gigi doesn't really get how the Parisians look at love mm-hmm. and that it's like very associated with like this upper class. The aunt prior to the song says love as like a work of art mm-hmm. and but art it, is, is a capturing of something natural. It's mm-hmm. like, a, you know, a, an Apollonian way to capture mm-hmm. something natural. And so I'm wondering if like, that's why like they have really maybe have really good sex lives over in France, you know? And like, they're so romantic is because mm-hmm. they believe in like the, how the appearance of how it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And so everything is like, yeah, grand. Well, they, and they are very task oriented. Like they just don't think about sort of like the niceties or like the inner complex uh, issues. I don't know. I just, when I'm, when I was over there, it's like they're very task oriented and they just want to do the, do the thing you know um yeah and yeah and i i think uh also this movie is like sort of a celebration of well if you would like this like the duality of youth and what love means to you and your youth and then what love means to you when you've aged and you look back on the times that you're you were young and um how that sort of like your your inner you know teenager is sort of always tied to you um even in your old age sometimes yeah because honore at the beginning says like stay close he's talking to gaston in the carriage and he says stay close to the young it rubs off on you yes you know? and mm-hmm. then, but then at the end he's like thank god i'm not young because i know they have to deal with they have to deal with all the co- the contradictions of the world and they have to deal with like trying to prove something of themselves and how exhausting that is and it's kind of it, like it, uh how <laughs> what's her face i always forget her name when i'm supposed to talk about her um, <laughs> describe so. her just Christ. Okay, Jewish lady, pretend it's a city. What the fuck? Oh, Fran Lebowitz. Okay, it's kind of like when <laughs> Fran. <laughs> it's kind of like when Fran Lebowitz, uh, you know, talks about how she loves people. Um, or excuse me, it's kind of like when Fran Lebowitz talks about how she loves young young people. She's obsessed with young mm-hmm. people, um, but then always laments like the youth culture and how uh, you know if people get mad about anything or they have like very polarizing opinions about stuff. Um, you know, there's there's sort of a duality there, um, and I love that scene um, with when they go on vacation and they're sitting on the oh yes sort of balcony, so and it's like this on beautiful like on the beach, and it's this beautiful purple red mm, you know yes. <laughs> backdrop. It's like so romantic. Oh it's kind of like yes. when you see like two an old couple like walk down your street and they're holding hands and look very sweet. I know, and I was like expecting the grandma and Honoré to like mm-hmm. get together. 
Yeah, what was up with that? Because weren't they like talking about like in their past they were together, right? Yes, they alluded to something. Yeah, something going on there. What the? What was that? We never resolved that really. That's kind of funny. No, uh, we needed a Gigi sequel. Yeah, <laughs> but or I a love. Prequel, that, I guess I love that uh, Honoré is sort of this narrator of the story and is underscoring the ethos of yeah. this whole whole uh, story and um he's like always the guy that's like sort of he doesn't break well yeah he's like the narrator that breaks it's the fourth bre- wall it's, yeah it's kind of it's kind of brecht i mean i don't know if it's brechtian necessarily but it, i mean i guess shakespearean in a way of like yeah. breaking the fourth wall he's always making asides he's like ah paris you know it like comes with like the opening of he- the the movie it's like ah the city uh, i know and it, it reminded me of um lumiere in mm-hmm. beauty and the beast yeah yeah because he's like narrating and uh making asides to the audience and sort of informing what's happening it's really and he has cute. that kind of like um ho, 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 french <laughs> wait can you do that again no i can't <laughs> wait, sorry, no i actually i didn't i didn't even hear you he's oh i was <laughs> <laughs> he has that ho 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 French accent kind of kind of going for him. Did Sorry. you hear that time? No, I didn't. Can you say oh, no. I'm just kidding. Um no. Um yeah, it's no, it's true. Well, that okay. Another criticism about this movie uh was I think TV Guide or like Variety or somebody said that it felt like Honoré is the character of Honoré felt like you were choking on a pastry or something because it was so such a caricature of uh, French uh, affect and dialect and everything, which I I totally get, but it's not that deep. Um, No, we need (laughs) like uh, we need that's how we that's how we envision French people. Yeah, we're not we're not here for the for the deepness. Right. Well, I think at least I think uh, Variety said uh, it. But like this is why I love uh, art criticism because you just have to have a way with with words. Like they said, it felt like eating too much cheesecake, and you needed something solid to go to sort of ground it stuff. Like I thought that was funny because um, it's like too. But that's why I like the movie because it's so sweet. It's so confectionery. Like it feels like yeah. a delicious cookie <laughs> to me. It like feels right. like I a, mean, it, it does, does feel like cheesecake. Yeah, or like a like a strawberry shortcake. Yes, that that's exactly what that is. This movie is. It's that, like a it, strawberry that, shortcake. It has like that red because of the redness, and then like yeah. uh, Gigi's like red lips. Like yes, it just reminds you of like strawberries. Yeah, <laughs> it is really good. I think it's such an underrated like movie musical. I never understood why like my fair lady gets like so much hype i guess it's i just have a bias against um, george bernard shaw because i just i had to read him <laughs> in school i'm like dear god this is long um yeah i mean i just think like it might be because like the book of Gigi is not that great and yeah. like uh it but i mean it's a it's a beautiful film it yeah. reminded me a little bit of um hello dolly yes in terms of like I the agree. color mm-hmm and like the the costuming, I was like, this mm-hmm. is just like it's yeah, grand. It really is a a grand oh. gesture. Exactly, which you don't. Sunday. A lot of contemporary musicals do not do. Yeah, well, I love her 
what does she wear? Is it the dress that she wears in Maxim's? Uh, is it the red the one? one? Oh, no, that, yeah, that's the oh. white one. What's the red one she wears? I guess in the beginning, all of the dresses she wears is so, so good. Yes. I also felt like she, Leslie Caron, is that how you pronounce her name? I say Leslie Karen. I don't know. I'm very bad Caron. at French phonetics. M- me too. Um, so bad. <laughs> but I felt like she, from certain angles, she looked like Michelle Williams, the actress, not the Destiny's Child. Singer. Yes, she does. Like, a, yeah, young Leslie Karen looks like sort of um, Michelle Williams, I would say. Yes. The thing about this movie is that I felt like I was like on drugs the entire time because every time mm-hmm. I looked at the screen, I thought that some there was somebody else on the screen that was like the grandma looked so much like uh patty lapone to me wait really (laughs) yes are you are you okay like i no that's what i'm saying like i felt like i was on drugs the entire time it's very psychedelic it's a very psychedelic movie and then from certain angles i thought ricky martin was the (laughs) the guest on okay but you're only thinking that because you've got ricky martin on the brain I do. I'm really glad that he's <laughs> not going he's to jail. Justice I would has be been devastated because Ricky Martin would not survive in jail. No, like, he wouldn't fare well. Could not, no. And like, I just, I can't picture him behind bars. I mean, I'm no. not even that big of a fan of his music. Yeah. I just think he's really cute. But like, you know, like <laughs> Gaston had like a really great like uh, cheekbones and they reminded me a lot. Oh of, yeah. Incredible like, jawline. Yes, jawline. Mm-hmm. He reminded me, like that reminded me of Ricky Martin's jawline. Yes. Oh, who like who not like the jawline is so like few and far between. Like who really has a good jawline right now? It's a rare. It's a rare gift. It's in, rare. Uh, Everybody has. Everyone has like my shaped head, like very round <laughs> and circular. Nothing. No jaws is happening. I mean, honestly, the only person that I know that had. <laughs> That had a really good like jawline was Ezra Miller. Oh, not and- her again! No, <laughs> <laughs> and he's so gone sick. off to the <sighs> off to the off to the whatever <laughs> whatever planet he's from. Dear God, no, you're not wrong about that. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think who has a really good jawline right now. Not a lot of people, I guess. Um, no, and then also the the aunt, aunt um, uh, Alicia, I believe is her name. Mm-hmm. Yes, she looked from certain angles. She looked like Helen Mirren to me. Yes, I I can see that. I love like see, the. This is, I was like, I'm, am I on drugs? Like, why are all these people like looking like <laughs> actors that are not actually in this movie? Yeah, I. I mean, you you just got a, <laughs> well. You've got a lot of people on the brain. <laughs> Exactly. There's a yeah. lot of things going on. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things happening. No, but um, yeah, I've seen this movie so many times. It's just, it's a very fun and easy watch. Um, and it's got great music. And it's very simple. And yeah, it's, it's very lively I, and fun. I would actually say that there's the only, like, there's only like three or four songs that I actually like in the mm-hmm. movie. I like the Gigi song that yes. Gaston sings where he's like walking the streets of Paris. I think that that was yeah, I looking love up at one. the statues. Yeah. And, he, and I love when he's like, Gigi. Yeah. And, and then he just stops and stares. I know. I thought that was great. It's, have you ever seen, um, uh, this is, I think this is also in 1958, High Society, maybe 1954. 
um, with Grace Kelly. No, but that sounds familiar. Oh, it's so good. We should watch it because uh, sort of about the same subject matter a little bit. Um, but I like it because it's almost because it, it's Cole Porter and but it's also oh my god uh, slapstick. Yes. Um, and then, but on the same note, it's sort of like slow. Um, and the scenes go on like extremely long, um, but it's it's very nice and it's very sweet. And I, I just like the slapsticky, uh, you know, sensibility about it. I mean, I actually Snappy. like it when a film ha- like takes its time to like give us the ability to watch a scene, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not like yeah. flashing in my eyes. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I love a good like <laughs> quick yeah. montage, yeah. but I think being able to just like sit and look at something is so rare that like when I get the opportunity to do it I like really like take it to its fullest advantage yeah I remember when I first watched High Society I was like this is so long but it's only a little over two hours and I guess two hours Mm. is a lot for today's standards but um yeah it's really not that bad it just sort of feels long because it really stews you know the really stirs you play uh, no, it's just a movie. Oh. And it's really good. Um, but I had to uh, I had to watch it when I was preparing for Anything Goes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Is Anything Goes based off of High Society? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think so. There's just a lot of parallels with the acting style, the performance style, the pacing, the, you know, affect, the energy, the vocal... Um, performances so i feel like we should do an anything goes episode i feel like it's a really pressing musical it's so important <laughs> it, really, it is. really is i mean with with all of the conversations people are having now it's like oh well i guess there's you know like i, I just can't believe that pe- like people are very i mean especially americans are very uptight and like tightly wound and mm-hmm. we're very bound to our puritanical ways as you mentioned the previous episode um but anything goes is just such it, it expresses that uh sense that you you get when you're seeing things in culture just completely uh you know decentralized and everything's sort of crumbling coming down it's like well well when i guess anything goes now yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah i wonder yeah. if there will be like a really dark take on anything goes kind of like that production of oklahoma that i saw back in may where it was like very dreamlike and uh, <laughs> surreal well oklahoma is sort of do... surreal Oklahoma's, yeah oklahoma is very dark it is but the because when you go to see Oklahoma, you're like, oh, it's so pretty and happy. It's almost like a dark comedy, I would almost say. Because once you get to the ballet, you're like, this is feels like I'm on some, I'm like rolling on some kind of drug. And it's, oh my god, well, Maddie, if you had seen <laughs> this recent production that's touring the country, you would have really like lost your shit. I. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm sold. I'm maybe I I, I want to see this now. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was back. It was in Chicago in like uh, January, or February. Yeah, you know what's crazy? <laughs> I love how like people, like I think, like there's so many musicals and like 
plays and like there's so much theater tied to Chicago, the, the actual locale and the references of Chicago. Uh, but, but people like seem to me to always just like defer to the musical Chicago. Um, and this is why right. I'm like American Buffalo, like that is like such a Chicago reference. Well, so we need important. like a new, we need like a new play to come out or a new musical that like takes place in Chicago that like uh, really like changes the game. And then it like becomes the cultural signifier of Chicago. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of like, I mean, there are a couple of television shows that are based right. in Chicago. Yeah. But honestly, I don't know. I'm still a Chicago med person, Chicago med and Chicago <laughs> PD, probably the best soap operas that are on television today like there's essentially a community here and like they just do and shoot and cast everything all in Chicago and they're probably the most melodramatic incredible entertaining beautiful maybe I'll soap give operas. Chicago PD a go that um, sounds interesting to me Chicago Med is my favorite because it's also extremely dark but it's one of those things where it is a melodrama or like a tragic comedy because something crazy will happen and then something even crazier than will happen. And then the doctor is getting shot, but now we're tied to organized crime. And now someone's having a child, but somebody else is the father. And then they're, uh, they're going to shoot up the hospital. Like it's insane. Um, <laughs> is it better than Grey's Anatomy? Well, yes. Cause it's like, a, it's sort of just like a cheap cable show. It's not like one of those big, like grand, like brooding dramas. It's literally just a soap opera. But honestly, the actors are incredible. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, don't I believe think, that. I don't think well, Med is on anymore. But I just watched the reruns on Netflix and whatnot. I think that there's an actor from my from my university that was on uh, Chicago Med. Yeah. I think well, his name is Nick. He's a redhead. Well, <gasps> Wait, really? <laughs> Okay, well, you yeah. have to send me. You have to send me his like stuff because I think I might know who he is. But um, I mean, lest we forget, Lady Gaga's uh, former fiance was from Chicago Fire. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Chicago really is um really turning out them. I know. Them really actors. churns out the cultural products. Um, but really <laughs> what? Any other? Um, any music? Any other musicals? I mean, Gigi was is so fun. Uh, what what other like are there any movie musicals coming out right now? Not really. I mean, no. The only one that we have like movie musical is like well, and that's actually not true because like they're coming out with the the movie musical adaptation of Matilda. Oh, that I actually, love the that actually might be good. And I watched the theater talk uh, episode on Matilda, and they really liked it a lot. <laughs> I actually heard that they was did really actually good. really yeah yeah because I remember Joan Rivers was like at least like they're not like an Annie or Peter Pan where they're like we don't want to grow up it's yeah like, that was you can so be, funny you can be you can be an adult but we can get you back as a kid you know right and I was right like, oh. Joan Rivers really got it you yes. know and she she understands I think, because, like, I think it's because she had to pay her own ticket they didn't <laughs> just give her a, yeah. a comp ticket you know yeah. and I think when you when you have to put money in the game you're like no like you, I, yeah. I have an investment here I'm not gonna I'm not gonna brown nose these people I'm just gonna say my honest opinion and yeah exactly wow I, I, yeah <laughs> um <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> oh my god spit it out <laughs> 
<laughs> I just had okay so I was looking at my notes and I just remembered the part where Lillian or L- Lilan mm-hmm. Lilan I, I think it's Lilan <laughs> she committed suicide because Gaston oh, yes. broke her up with the sugar king yes that's that, that part so blew weird. my mind that's so weird it's so weird I don't know what the like that was so out of pocket that his ex basically committed suicide and like he had to he's yes because that's why they went on vacation right or he went he I think, like yeah, went somewhere so. So he's like my ex committed suicide I have to leave like he was he was really honestly very depressing as a character he because he was he's like everything's a bore I know everything's boring and I honestly you oh. sympathize with Gigi because he is so nihilistic and disdainful about everything and very pragmatic and he's like I'm just gonna have a mistress and like that's all there is to life and um but bon vivant because he's a bon vivant um yeah crazy and he also says like the only people who make Gaston says the only people who make love are are all the time are liars wow I just think that he like just wants to poo-poo on on love yeah Yeah, on love he's one of those people who's like yeah he's not a romantic he's a very you know pessimistic uh, about the whole notion of love um because probably he's never had any novelty in his life until he met Gigi who is has like right no vitality she's yeah she's young she has this vitality she like introduces him to this whole new world of being playful Exactly. Yeah. And there's also that song where he's like, she's not talking about me. You know, why isn't she talking about me? Uh, I just got really sad. I just got really pissed off because I haven't been recording on my Zoom recorder this whole time. Now I'm so sad. But I've been recording the Zoom. uh, (laughs) I've been recording this meeting and it's capturing my voice via the MacBook. But um, this is not the first time I've done this. So if my voice sounds like kind of echoey i'm sorry um <laughs> it sounds fine this it's gonna sound gonna fun. be great no yeah, it is it is gonna be amazing oh, oh that's so funny that's literally not the first that's not the first time i've done that i think last okay, time i did that, that i like i didn't realize that i wasn't pressing record until like two minutes and oh the zoom recorder is really like it is a diff- that's why i gave it to you because i was like yes, i no. don't know I know I know how to use it. I know how to sync everything up, but I I have, have so much on my mind. You know, I I can barely press. It's it's a miracle <laughs> that I have a I have an office job because I can barely press buttons. <laughs> it's okay. You've done. Yeah. I mean, you've pressed buttons before. You've proven. You've proven yourself. I'm pressing the buttons. I'm putting pins in positions. I'm you know <laughs> doing it all. But going back to the suicide thing, um, <laughs> that, that the suicide thing was so random, dude. Like, what? But it becomes important later in the story mm. because that's why Gigi's like, I don't want to go out with you, Gaston, because like, what about if you're just using me to like get, you know, some people to talk about you? Yes, because you know? it reminds maybe it me. reminds him of his suicidal ex girlfriend, and maybe he's like. I don't want another girl to commit suicide on me. <laughs> right. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Or, yeah. And, and it's just, it's so, it, 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 that part did hit me. I was like, oh, yeah. 
like are they will yeah i mean as you said like will they won't they Mm -hmm. i mean obviously like it's a love story so and it's a comedy so obviously they're gonna get together but when you're in the moment like you Mm -hmm. you really just want that you want to know yeah yeah they're they're um both very attractive leslie karen is so underrated like very i mean she was in many movies she well yeah prior to this movie she was in uh an american in paris i believe oh really she she co-starred in it um or she had a small role um wasn't gene kelly also in america didn't he direct that or was he in that i honestly I've never seen an American in Paris, but it's on my list. So maybe that's my next one. Um, I mean, yeah. as the, the French theme continues. on, the I know, theme. seriously. <laughs> I, I love, love Jim Kelly, especially too. his butt. Wait, where, where do you see his butt? Oh, Maddie. <laughs> where? Maddie. Oh my, you have, you have Did to it- look up his butt. Just Where? Go- what movie? Google it right button? now. <laughs> I don't have my phone. It's it's so. What movie was this? Um, uh, maybe Singing in the Rain. Wait, that's one know. of my favorite movies. Maybe uh, I have seen well, his butt. No, you like his. It's like there there are Tumblr pages oh devoted to Gene Kelly's butt. Okay. Yeah, I'm look. I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> nice, but I I'm I'm sorry. Like, I never looked into that at that angle. I guess yes, you're right. He does have a nice ass. <laughs> but, you know, I'm you know when I watch Singing in the Rain, you know, I'm really appreciating like the 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 uh, the, story, comp- the composition. Yes. Um, you know, yes. the choreography, the, te- the technical yeah. aspects of it. How did they get that rain yes. to show up on camera? Yes. The saturation, um, the vantage points. You know, yeah, it's like one of my favorite movies, Singing in the Rain. There's a Glee episode that's centered around that has like a singing in the rain did you ever watch that episode yes i don't want to hear about glee for a long time maybe the next like 30 days because i just i read i read into (laughs) conspiracy theories i swear to god like ryan murphy was planning this all along like he really he has to be like psychic like he really saw this happen he caused basically all of this drama i'm convinced i'm i mean we're watching glee so that everyone else doesn't have to and we're we're gonna report back what we found <laughs> i know because i some uh some what's it called some clips like popped up on my like youtube feed or whatever i was like oh my god mm-hmm. like uh, there was like that one episode where like sue pushes a te- another teacher down the stairs oh, yes did you, yes. Did you just, yeah yes it's so funny there's a lot of violence <sighs> show card it's amazing yeah wow or a very violent art form no have you ever wanted to get enough like i've just had, i've been in so many situations where i've meet crazy people and i'm like we should fight but that would be very unladylike of me. I would never fight with anybody, but I don't I'm know if becoming, you've ever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess mean, it's yeah, just. I meant you can mentally fight with people. I mentally fight with people all the time. I mean, why I have so many things going on in my brain. Yeah. You know? Oh, yo, I mean, you I'm also know. a Gemini. So. I'm all, yeah, I'm also I'm also fighting with people in in private. Uh <laughs> just so just so I I'll never, I'll never put out any 
any negative energy to anybody because it's not worth it. No, karma's real. I know. It's true. Do you have any other thoughts about Gigi no. mu- movie musicals? Nope. I don't have anything else right now. Um, yeah. What's, what's coming up? I just, it's a Sunday. I'm working this week. Um, birthday is over. So that's, that's pretty much it. Just working and potting. And that's, that's all I'm doing. Being, yeah. We're living, sweat, We're living yeah. the dream. Yeah. What, what about you? What, any, any thoughts, questions, concerns? <gasps> I'm working a show right now. Oh yeah. I'm working crew, which I feel like everyone should work crew. You have to. At some point in their life, it really mm-hmm. like humbles you and just like, like you really see, like you just really get into that grit of like putting on a play, which is rejuvenating sometimes. It's almost kind of like being a waitress because when you're mm-hmm. a stagehand and you have to, you basically have to bust the stage, the stage. When you're yeah. yeah flying uh, furniture in and out and like, picking up props and stuff it's insane and it's actually extremely dangerous like i've i mean I, when i was in school we had people that injured themselves because our black box just go completely black and then you were at the mercy of the glow up the glow tape <laughs> on the floor well what's so nice about the theater that i'm in is that it has like twinkle it's a small but mm-hmm. there's like a ton of twinkle lights everywhere and That's the twinkle nice. lights don't turn off when the show is so i'm not fully in black mm-hmm. thank god B- total blackouts <laughs> awful yep those that, stress me out that that was us like i there were moments because we didn't have like really like fancy kind of like low lights where you could do Uh a blackout but still see so people could move and you know practice safe theater but uh no we had so many blackouts where it's like you could not see anything it was complete pitch black and you basically had to memorize and choreograph very meticulously where Mm -hmm. you would go um because you you just couldn't see anything um but now i don't think i've ever yeah I don't think I ever got severely injured other than, you know, getting like bruised and battered, like bumping into things and people. But it really humbles you. It really. No, like, it's, it's it fun. Really, honestly, <laughs> it's the best. It is fun. Like, you really just like, uh, just like where you're just slumming it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just slumming it. Um, and yeah, I just, I quickly, it's funny. Cause then you're on the like brink of death sometimes. And you're like, oops, somebody almost stabbed me with this like fork or this prop I was carrying. It wasn't that exactly. funny. I was, like, almost and got severely really, injured. <laughs> it just really like brings you into your body. It yeah. <laughs> makes you think about life and. Yeah. Know, it's like, look, and... look alive. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, Peter Brook talks about that a little bit, mm-hmm. how we like, he shot the gun at the guy and that like was like one of the most thrilling pieces of art or theater that he'd ever done because it's like it reminded you of your humanity yeah and your like your mortality and whatnot um yeah peter brook is a genius um and that's all i have to say um and scene and scene <laughs> <laughs>